Welcome to this podcast series for the Angaza Awards sponsored by Kenyan Wall Street. We're talking today with Rena Hicks, a 2022 top 10 woman to watch in banking and finance and the operations director at Vida Investment Bank. Welcome, Rena. Thank you so much, Marita. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, and congratulations on your Angaza Award recognition. Thank you. Thank you. Much appreciated. Okay. Uh, so just to, to start us off, what are some of the capital requirements for Africa and what critical role does the capital market play in this? Okay. Thank you, um, Marita. You know, when you look at Africa generally, we face huge long-term financing needs. In fact, um, I was looking at a report that was done by FSD Africa, and it estimated, this was in 2016, so we're in 2022 now, so it's a couple of years after, but at that point in time, there was a huge funding gap on the continent of about $300 billion a year, uh, for whether that's for SMEs, infrastructure, housing, agribusiness, I mean, there's different needs in different countries, but generally for SMEs, infrastructure, housing, and agribusiness, the gap inability to finance these guys was $300 billion a year. So that's a huge amount of money. And so I guess the question you're asking is, what role does a capital market play in being able to finance this gap? So first of all, the, you know, when you look at the capital markets and just the general role of capital market stock exchanges in general, their, their, their benefits and their role in any economy in the world cannot be taken lightly because this is where companies are able to raise capital and not just companies, even governments. And so it enables people to raise money, but also in addition to that helps people invest their money and save. And so therefore helping both sides of the coin benefit. Um, so access to long-term capital is so critical for the development of this continent. And that's where the capital markets comes into play. In fact, what I want to do is just give you an example. In the last 10 years or 15 years or so, there's been a shift. If you remember, the government was very key when we were doing the Vision 2030. One of the goals was to become a middle-income economy. You remember that? Yes, yes, I do. Yeah, and, and I guess the whole process of becoming a middle-income economy, it sounds nice, it sounds fun, it sounds, wow, we're getting there. But the impact of that is that then it shifts us to another bucket or group of countries that then doesn't access certain, um, let me say financing. So for example, um, I think about 10 countries or so, I don't know, I think maybe there are 20 countries in Africa that uh, have shifted to being a middle, middle income economies. What has that done? That has resulted in like World Bank saying, these guys don't need a concessional funding anymore. Um, these guys can now access funding in else in other ways. Their population is now middle income. They can finance their uh, economic needs. And so what has ha happened is that as Kenya, as Zambia, as you know, Ghana, and I, I think you've seen a lot of countries uh, have increased in uh, seeking euro bond, uh, euro bonds to be able to finance their their budgets. And so we have to actually access commercial funding sources for us to meet our needs. And that's also part of capital markets. And currently there's about 20 African countries that have tapped into the uh, Eurobond uh, market. And um, you know we've gotten about $136 billion that is being traded for these African countries, which is a huge amount of money. 
um, doesn't meet the 300 billion a year gap uh, in total, but it is something. Um, and so the fact that the capital markets exist to enable African countries and countries all over the world access capital for the needs that uh, we have, then it's very, very helpful. So that's the role the capital markets plays. As an SME, when you want to raise money for working capital, where do you go? You can't always get money from the bank. How can you bring in shareholders to help you finance your, your, your business, um, whether it's long-term or short-term, then there's needs. Then you go to equity, um, uh, pardon, you go to shareholders, potential shareholders to raise equity capital. If you want short-term capital, you go to those who lend you debt, but you don't always have to go to the bank. The capital markets provides an opportunity for you to raise the money that you need to meet your funding needs for your business, or if it's to build um, a building. And just uh, my last example I'll give you is Acorn. I don't know if you um, are aware, they recently raised a, a bond, uh, a government bond and a green bond to, in, in actual fact. And um, they went to the London Stock Exchange to ring the bell to raise, uh, to, to mark the beginning of the trading of this bond, this euro bond, I mean, this uh, green bond. And so the fact that they've been able to access capital, not just from East Africa, but the world to be able to build residences for students uh, in terms of student housing that is of good quality is fantastic. And that's the power that capital markets has in being able to uh, just provide funding, long-term funding for different projects and businesses. Thank you. So you've spoken about the Eurobond market and you've spoken about the green bonds. So what are some of the other recent landmark transactions that demonstrate Africa's sophistication in capital markets innovation? Yeah, that's a, a really interesting question. We've seen very interesting growth in being able to raise capital. I mean, it's not where it should be, but I mean, recently, for example, uh, Shelter Africa um, raised a bond um, in, in Nigeria, they are Pan-African DFI, and what they do is uh, they're just exclusively dedicated towards financing housing in Africa. And so they've been in a process of trying to figure out, while we are providing financing for Africa, how can we ourselves raise money to bet on land? And it was interesting to see they actually were oversubscribed in Nigeria. So there was, it, well, it wasn't innovative as I say, but you know, that transaction for me demonstrated the fact that people understand and it demonstrates the sophistication in our capital markets that they understand that, you know, Shelter Africa is a solid business. Um, it was a, it had two tranches and they well, were subscribed by 60, 60.7%. I can talk about uh, several others in terms of even um, MTN Uganda, next to us uh, that last year, raised and I forget the amount of money now, but one of the things that they did that it was a, it was like a digital uh, IPO. And what they also did that was very, very innovative was include a bonus in the issue. So everybody that applied for those shares in the IPO got, there was a, like an incentive where you got a certain bonus, uh, a number of shares for being able to apply for that, for that bond. When you look at the different governments and the government bonds they've issued also internally, government bonds, treasury bills as well, um, just sort of shows that these are transactions that demonstrate that Africans get it, they're able to invest, uh, governments are able to raise money domestically as well. It's not just going out there to get money from others. Uh, and these transactions have definitely demonstrated that we are innovative as a society, 
and as a country. One of the other things that we've seen is a huge rise in private equity uh, transactions in in Africa, mainly in uh, you know you, I mean in uh, Nigeria, Ghana, Kenya, and South Africa. I think also Egypt has been huge in seeing private equity and, and venture capital funding as well. Um, so it may not necessarily be in the formal capital markets, but still that demonstrates that there's generally um, a, an awareness of the opportunities within within the continent. Yeah. So shifting gears, what are your thoughts on democratizing investment as a financial inclusion priority in Africa? So that word, I'm not even sure I can pronounce it, democratizing investment really just means how do we rethink um, financing and investing generally and the whole system to make it accessible to everyone. So that then it's, you know, it's easily accessible, it's convenient, irrespective of who they are irrespective of where they are, irrespective of their level of income or wealth. Basically what we're trying to see is how can we make investment opportunities available to people everywhere, you know? And um, when I think about what has happened, I, I mean, I'm, I'm just like, wow, this is an area that I think we are leading, if I dare say. <laughs> um, when I think about companies like Zeno in Uganda, I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Yes, yes, I have. Right. So like with Zeno, you just go on your phone, they have an app and you can save. In fact, you can even do it. They have a tool where you can test and see what is my risk profile and therefore what sort of investment should I be getting into? And then they make available to you those investment opportunities. Um, locally in Kenya, all, all of us as investment banks and stockbrokers have apps. Um, there's also people who partner with us. Like we've, we, for example, partnered with HISA, HISA Technologies, which is um, an app by Kenya Wall Street, coincidentally. And we are providing ability for people everywhere to just get onto the app and apply for shares um, or rather invest in shares in, you know, in markets overseas. And you can buy fractional shares. You can have, be an owner of Facebook and Amazon and all these different companies, or even just ETFs from your phone. Even in, you, in Nigeria, we have people like Bamboo that have also made it easy for people to access capital markets, both locally and overseas. So, I mean, for us, I, I think my, my thing is uh, a well-functioning equity market is so, so important for a country uh, to be able to, what we call democratize wealth, to enable access to everybody and to help people grow and plan for their future and to enable social development and economic growth. So um, first of all, I must say this. I mean, I think it was yesterday we saw an announcement that the Capital Markets Authority had finally been able to uh, develop, not so much develop, but um, come up with revised public offer and uh, disclosure, listing disclosure requirements for the Kenyan market. And that for me is a step forward. I haven't gone through these, uh, these regulations yet, but I, I am 100% sure it's, a, it's an improvement from where we were before. And I congratulate the Capital Markets Authority for getting to this place to ensure that we have an equity market that's functioning, that, you know, I want to exit my business, I can come to the capital markets. I want to raise capital, I can do that. Um, another one is Emma Kiba. Remember Emma Kiba? Yes, yes, I do. 
Yeah, so it's it was a fantastic way for the government to raise capital and enable access to fixed income investments from the comfort of our funds. That's democratizing investments. It was the first initiative in the world. It had a slow start because I think the uh, subscription rate at the time was only 24%. However, it is an effort in the right direction. So we have all these different asset management companies that are doing this you know, regionally and um, in the, in the, in the, on the continent. And so I think it's fantastic that they're making investments more accessible and affordable to the majority of um, the African population. But it's, it's in pockets in different parts of, of Africa. There's some countries that are still very far um, because of challenges of um, just where they're at in terms of their development. But it's a growth in the right direction. And as we become more connected as a continent, then even where countries exist that don't have these opportunities, because we are one continent and as connectivity continues, they're able to then invest in other countries. You know, So you, even if your country doesn't offer you these opportunities, you can still invest through these other, through the other countries that are doing well. Yeah. So you've mentioned various emerging trends in the capital markets and asset management that are enabling um, investment yeah, and financial inclusion across Africa uh, with mm. different countries. So um, in addition to this, and you've mentioned some of the challenges um, we face um, that Africa, various countries are trying to address some of the, and these developments, these emerging trends are enabling us address the various uh, disparities we have in terms of financial inclusion. Um, so looking at uh, this, I know financial literacy is one of them. So in your opinion, what role does financial literacy uh, play in growing Africa's capital markets? Wow, um, it's everything. <laughs> it's everything, Marita. I think for me, if we can deal with financial literacy, uh, we'll will make huge strides in us being able to finance our own capital needs as, as a continent. You know, um, I remember looking at a report that was done some time back by SMP. Um, they were doing a research on financial literacy around the world. And Africa was found to have the lowest financial literacy levels. And, you know, they defined financial literacy not just as knowledge about financial terms like interest rates, inflation, credit, and so on but really the ability for somebody to use this information for their personal life and being aware of the consequences of you know, making certain decisions um, and the impact that that has on their finances, both now and in the future. You know, the other day, I'm just reminded of a conversation I had with a gentleman from, I, I won't say the country, so that we don't, <laughs> but you know, a country in Africa. And he was expressing his frustration um, with the fact that when his employees, he's a banker and he's a HR professional. And he was saying that when his employees receive bonuses or raises, they get another wife or travel to a, a country out of the continent or you know, buy a car. And he's just like, this is insane. <laughs> I mean, how can we have a focus on today? Why, why are you getting another wife? Like really why? And yet you have 40 years at the most, usually 30 to 40 years at the most, to be able to finance another 30 years that you won't be working and hopefully leave an inheritance for your children. Like how, what, how are we thinking? And I think it's just the fact that we're so short-term minded, even basic, such as what bank account should I have? People are not processing. I, um, you know, I remember somebody I met sometime, um, I think uh, a year ago who said that, they had saved 
and done very well with saving. They had 4 million shillings they had saved. But do you know what? All this money was in a current account and nowhere else, no other assets. But it's because they don't know what opportunities are available, how they work. And the problem is that this is replicated so many times over in different contexts and in different ways. And so if we have a population that understands the importance of saving and investing, then we're able to rethink some of the traditions and cultures that we have, such as having massive weddings, such as having funerals that go for days, such as um, financing an extended family that is not sustainable, um, so that then every single coin that you earn goes towards supporting your extended family. And there's such a demand on you who's working from everybody else. And, and I think it's an unfair thing. And I think we need to rethink how we do things as Africa. I know it's not just a Kenyan or Ugandan or South Sudan or Tanzanian problem. It's an African issue. And so we need to ensure that there's literacy so that people become aware of what, you know, first of all, we are changing as a society, you know, yes, this sort of structure worked long ago because we were community-based, but as we become more urbanized and as we become more international and more, more uh, what can I say, individual, individual in, our, in our operation and in, our, in the way that we run our lives, we must ensure that we think about my future. What, how am I going to earn money after I turn 65? Where is the money going to come from? How, who will take care of my healthcare when I stop working and so on? So these are the things that we have to be very, very careful about um, to ensure that our populations understand because that's what's going to help Africa's capital markets grow. That's what's going to help companies raise capital when they want to raise their capital because you have people who understand what it means and are able to then put their money behind it and hopefully make some money at the end of the day. But for as long as we don't have understanding, we'll have great opportunities that exist, but the financing does, does, is not there. And we can't rely on countries from the West to, to finance all our needs. I think it's not a practical expectation. Great. Um, so looking at your experience in the capital markets, what encouragement do you have for women aiming to grow in the capital markets? Could you share some quick lessons? Sure. Um, so I think one of the things that um, I must mention is that it may seem like an intimidating sector, capital markets, but I think it is a place where women are accommodated a lot. I, I must say that as a woman who's been in the capital markets for over 18 years, um, it's it's been challenging, but at the same time, there's so much opportunity for, for growth and for innovation and, and to be able to bring in new things, especially because of where we are as a continent in as far as being able to develop the capital markets. When we look at the different um, things that are happening when it comes to sustainable finance, uh, when it comes to developing our capital markets, the place where we're able to grow um, sources of funding for governments and for, for companies. I think the potential is huge. And so is there an opportunity? Absolutely, there's a huge opportunity. And I think there is definitely growing support for women in the industry. Um, a part of a, a very interesting organization called 100 Women in Finance, it's a global organization that just recently um, started um, looking at Africa as an additional 
location for its operations in terms of just helping women in finance have support and mentorship and so on. And so we actually just recently launched the first office in Africa, which is in Kenya, um, which is very exciting. But the point is that with some of these developments, particularly supporting women, um, in finance, it's it's great because now you have a community of women who are able to support you in your journey and handhold you as you seek to do greater things. So I guess the tips would be don't don't try do it alone. Um, you know, there's others out there. There's so many more women who've come into the industry who can help you, talk to you, mentor you, um, introduce you to to people who can help you in your journey. Uh, there's lots of um, opportunities for internships as well, lots of professionals who you can learn from. Um, but, you know, it really just to say that there's opportunities, the key thing is to always read up, know what's happening, understand what's going on around you, especially in the economy, what's going on in the investment uh, arena, what new opportunities are available, and keep abreast and stay abreast with the developments that are going on so that you are relevant. And even if you are currently working and are kind of new in the industry, don't just concentrate on what you're doing, you know, and, and ensure that you're broader in the way that you approach your work um, so that you, as you grow your knowledge and expertise and develop your ability to become the best that you can potentially be, that's when uh, you will do well. I think lastly, it's just to sort of say, continue to be curious, be hungry to learn and know who you are. Because when you know who you are, you understand what your strengths are, you understand what your weaknesses are, you're able to then leverage your strengths, um, read up more and um, just sort of know what are the areas of passion and develop yourself in that area and aim to be the best there is in that area. And in that way, then you stand out and uh, are able to get very interesting opportunities, whether that's increased business and clientele or higher positions in your, in your career. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. We've learned a lot from you on the role that the capital market plays in providing access to long-term capital. Um, you've given us a lot of wisdom. The ladies who are looking to go into the capital markets who are, or who are already in the capital markets and looking to grow, you've given a lot of wisdom nuggets and we're very grateful for that. We congratulate you again for your Angaza Awards recognition. And we look forward to celebrating your achievement in June during the 2022 Angaza Awards ceremony. Thank you so much, Marita. It's a pleasure to have been able to have this conversation, very important conversation with you. And I, I look forward to hopefully meeting you in person in June. Thank you. Thank you. Really.